Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hello, I'm Chris Borne. I'm the writer-director of the documentary Lady Wrestler, the amazing untold story of African-American women in the ring. I'm also a journalist based in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm very happy to be here. Well, Chris, I am just over the moon about you being here on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. I mean, you know, you're a person that I just recently have uh, interacted with one-on-one. And I got to be honest with you, man. I feel like I've known you forever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like, you know, one of those where those souls you feel like you've you've known somewhere before. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I wonder. Oh, please. It's 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 honestly it's a pleasure. And I know that uh, the listeners of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, they're pretty happy to hear your voice on this show because you're definitely a a guest that everyone's been saying you got to get Chris on the show. You got to get Chris on the show. So so this is cool. Um, I, I wonder about something, Chris, because you're so easy to talk to and instantly it's like whatever guards that we have up naturally in life, you're one of those people that instantly they just drop because you're, you're just a regular, cool, easygoing guy. Do you find that that's helped you a lot in your career as, as a journalist and now as a, as a director? Yeah. Well, well, first of all, thank you for saying that. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's, it's something that I've worked at. Believe it or not, I'm actually a very shy, somewhat introverted person. I'm sort of like a contradiction where I'm shy, but I like attention uh, and under the right circumstances. But, you know, if you took me to a party, I would sort of be a wallflower and just only hang around you and the people that I know. But I but I starting from when I was very young, one of the first like uh, self-help books I read was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And I know that sounds corny and trite. But actually, a lot of the things in there, even though that book was written like decades ago, like the 40s or 50s or whenever, a lot of the a lot of the techniques are universal to interactions with people like try to lead with something positive. You know, if you're having a conflict with someone rather than, you know, getting up in their face and telling them off, try to find something positive as you know to use as a jumping off point. And I think if you just approach people with a basic intention of wanting to have respect and, you know, keeping whatever ego you have in check, I think that that really helps smooth out relations. But it's that de- I definitely someone I emotional intelligence, that whole movement that kind of started in the 90s. That's definitely something I've studied. I mean, not formally, but definitely reading books about it and, you know, watching videos and lectures about it. That's definitely something I've studied. You know, Chris, I, I got to commend you on on your response to that question, because it's a really that's not an easy question to answer <laughs> because it, it it requires a person to to think about themselves in a way that maybe they've never thought about themselves before. And yet you clearly are somebody that is in touch with who you are. You're clear on who you are. Um, and like you said, it's something that you've worked at. So, you know, again, kudos to you, man, because you you've done a very good job. Um, 
Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, you know, it's like, I think that's sort of like one of the gifts about being uh, somewhat shy and introspective is you tend to be, like I said, you tend to be introspective. You tend to, rather than your personality always focused on what's outside of you and where's the next party and, you know, how can I put a lampshade on my head and get attention? I, I tend to be very, very analytical and very like almost to a fault, like, oh, if I say this to this person, and that's not to say sometimes I, you know, I put my foot in my mouth or I'm about to say something and I can tell this is going to offend the person, but it just slips out anyway. But I feel like uh, being introspective, you tend to be very analytical and that can be both a blessing and a curse because, you know, sometimes I'll lose out on an opportunity because it's like, oh, there's that person I've always wanted to meet and I have to work to work up the nerve to approach them. And then by the time I work up the nerve that, you know, they're gone down the street. But also being analytical helps you in interpersonal relationships because you do tend to think before you speak and kind of think about, well, how are my actions going to affect someone else? And I'm someone where, you know, I revise texts. Like if I'm replying to someone, I don't just shoot off a text. I think about, well, let me, what is the most diplomatic way for me to say this? Even though right now I feel like ripping their head off. <laughs> let, let me Let me take a beat and, you know, try to take a breath and respond with emotional intelligence. You know, that that cracks me up because here you are, like you said, you revise text. So you're 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 yeah. careful <laughs> and selective on how you're communicating, especially when you're you're in your emotions, where somebody frustrated you or, or what have you, and you want you kind of have to set them straight, but you want to be careful not to go too far. Um right. so I, I I do wonder how the how the heck does that work when you're writing and then directing your first documentary ever, uh, Lady Wrestler, the amazing untold story of African-American women in the ring. For for a guy that revises text messages, did you have to rewrite this, this uh, documentary over and over again? Well, I think actually being somebody who's kind of uh, cautious with people actually helped the ladies that I interviewed, you know, Ethel Johnson and Ramona Isbell and their families. It actually helped put their guard down because instead of feeling like, I'm like, you know, either a, a journalist who's just trying to get their story to make a name for themselves or, you know, a filmmaker who's just trying to use them to make his first movie and get a name for himself. It was like, you know, and not to read my own bell, but it's like, I think they could kind of tell I'm someone who's genuinely interested in their story and somebody who's, you know, I hate to use the word polite because polite kind of makes you sound like you're just a, you know, a doormat and you let people walk all over you. But someone who has, you know, instead of, you know, just saying, okay, I want you to do this interview saying, you know, hey, Miss Ethel, you have a really interesting story. Would you be interested in, you know, maybe telling your story on camera sometime? It's sort of like knowing how to interact with people and being kind of cautious in the way that I interact with them, I think helped put the the ladies at ease. So it was it was definitely having that analytical, that kind of like, let me pause before I speak and pause and, you know, kind of coming across as kind of meek and uh you know shy i think that i think that lowered their guard and 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 kind of helped uh form a bond between us a, a bond of trust that definitely helped you know i'm going to i'm going to throw a suggestion at you and, and instead of polite i would call it compassionate you know yeah, you, yeah. you 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 care about people and you care enough about their story that you approach it in a respectful and thoughtful manner you know? Yes, thank you, thank you. That was yes. definitely the approach that I took. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I'll tell you, and and you know this, it is not easy to interview 
um, seniors and especially yes. seniors who, for you know, one reason or another, who who have been mistreated in life, right? And, and but I have, but yeah, please, but I, you please. know, I do have to, I do have to say with with Miss Ethel, Miss Ethel and Miss Ramona, they are the sharpest. Well, Miss Miss Ethel passed away in 2018, but Miss Ramona is still alive and well. They are the sharpest people that I know. I mean, they have they have like steel trap memories of things that happened to them in the 50s and 60s. So. You know, like you say, well, sometimes when you talk to seniors in everyday life and not to be disrespectful, but it can be kind of rambling and, you know, they, they don't remember certain details. And they're let me tell you about this thing that happened back in 56. And then, it, you know, takes them forever. They they are like born storytellers because they could just rattle stuff off of. Oh, yeah, I was in I was in San Francisco and I and I hung out with the Black Panthers after a match one time. And we went and had soul food and pigged out. Miss Ramona told me that that's a. That's a little anecdote that's not in the documentary. Miss Ethel was like, you know, one time I was in Arkansas and I remember going to this hotel into this hotel and they didn't want black people there. I mean, they were just so sharp. They, they were easy to talk to more so than like some people half their age. So that's I think they're just one of they're, they're just the kind of people they were like born to be on television. They're just born performers. Well, and you definitely help them display that. There's no two ways about it. I mean. Again, Lady Wrestler, the the amazing untold story of African American women in the ring. It is it's something that has not been covered enough historically. So it was really interesting to see this pop up. I mean, what what motivated you to pursue this story and to develop it into a full documentary and what have you? Yeah. So what, what you said is just absolutely accurate, that this has not been covered enough historically. And so I am I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. You know, I'm African-American, so I grew up in the black community and I never heard about these women until I was an adult, which I think is just crazy. Like I should have been taught. They, You know, our local black history should should have been taught to me and other children in schools. So the way I found out about their story was I had gotten my one of my first jobs as a journalist working at This Week News, which is a local community newspaper that's a subsidiary of the daily newspaper, the Columbus Dispatch. And there's an African-American man named Terry Anderson who works in public relations, who grew up with Ethel Johnson's daughter, Shelley, who every time I would call Terry for story ideas, he'd say, you know, there's this really interesting lady you should sit down and interview sometime. And that turned out to be Miss Ethel. So Terry arranged an interview for us. This was in back way back in December of 2005. And the stories that Miss Ethel had to tell was just amazing of going all over the world when she was a teenager and into her 20s and 30s, you know, as a young woman, just traveling the world in the 50s and 60s during segregation, going to places like Cuba before the embargo was in place. And it just like I would say, it didn't take Orson Welles to figure out that they had these Ethel and Ramona and women like her, their, their peers at the time. They just have this very cinematic story. So in the course of doing research, so I decided to put uh, Ethel's Miss Ethel's story together as an article for the Columbus Dispatch. And in the course of doing research for the article, I came across the documentary Lipstick and Dynamite. And I say this not to put down that documentary and not to put down the woman who made that documentary, but that documentary only featured white women from the era that Ethel and Ramona were wrestling in the, the 50s and 60s, you know, like Fabulous Moolah and Penny Banner. And I actually interviewed Penny Banner for the original art newspaper article 
that I made, but she had passed away by the time I started working on the documentary. Anyway, um, so in the course of doing this research and, and seeing the Lipstick and Dynamite documentary, I thought, well, if anyone deserves their own movie, it's these Black women who not only dealt with sexism, but racism and going into wrestle into towns in the deep South where they had to deal with Jim Crow and the threat of the Ku Klux Klan chasing them out of town. So I just, I just thought, and oh, and a side note is Arnold Schwarzenegger has played a key role in this. Yes, that Arnold Schwarzenegger from the Terminator, he holds an annual fitness festival in Columbus called the Arnold Classic. Well, I think it's called the Arnold Sports Festival now, but anyway, he started holding this festival in Columbus because he earned one of his first bodybuilding titles in Columbus and decided that the city had been good to him. So he was going to kind of return the love. So when the article with uh, Miss Ethel was published in March of 2006 for Women's History Month, Arnold Schwarzenegger's people saw the article and called me at the newspaper and was like, we want to give Ethel Johnson a Lifetime Achievement Award at our closing ceremony. And by that time, Ethel was a retired grandmother, and anyone who sees the documentary will find out that even during her career, she did not tell people about her career as a wrestler. She kept that part of her life secret. Uh, and and when she was home, she was a wife and mother. And when she was wrestling, she didn't she didn't she kept the two aspects of her life separate. So I I called Ethel's daughter Shelley and said, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger wants to honor honor your mother with a lifetime achievement award. And I could just tell from Shelley's voice that she didn't think her mother would go for it. And sure enough, Shelly called me back and was like, mom said, tell them thanks, but no thanks. So I just thought if Arnold Schwarzenegger, this international, not only movie star, but fitness icon, sees the value in Miss Ethel's story, then there's something more to it than one newspaper article. So I just called Miss Ethel and said, hey, do you, you know, would you be willing, your story is really, really amazing. Would you be interested or available to be interviewed on camera sometime. And to my surprise, she said yes. So we did interviews over the course of the several years. And that led me to Ramona and finding out that there were dozens of these women, many of them from my hometown of Columbus, Ohio, that I'd never even heard about growing up. And my first, my very first newspaper job was at the Colin Post, which is the oldest African-American newspaper in Ohio and one of the oldest African-American newspapers in the nation and is owned by Don King, the, the boxing promoter. And I never heard about these women working for the call and post. So that just goes to show you how underground their story was. You know, there's a lot to unpack from what you just said there. And, and it, I'm just, I'm floored because I was going to ask you about uh, lipstick and dynamite. I was going to ask mm-hmm. you about that because I could, I, that's exactly what your documentary reminded me of, but the black version. Yeah. Yes. So, so it's funny that you say that's exactly, you know, the the intention there. You know, you saw this this which lipstick and dynamite. I encourage anybody to go watch. It's it it is yeah. a, a a strong documentary. It talks about absolutely the the pioneers of women's wrestling and what have you. But absolutely, what you just said, Chris. Where's the black people? <laughs> yeah, there, there there was one woman, one of the one of the wrestlers. I forget I forget which one who casually mentioned Babs Wingo, who was the first African-American female wrestler in pro wrestling who was recruited by Billy Wolf, who founded the women's wrestling organization in the 30s that sparked what they call the golden age of women's wrestling. This one of the women in Lipstick and Dynamite just casually said, oh, yeah, I think uh, I 
I wrestled or she she just casually mentioned Babs Wingo, but there was no not even a picture of Babs on screen when when the the woman uh, mentioned her. She just said, yeah, there was a black lady wrestler named Babs Wingo that I wrestled one time or just a just a just a casual passing reference. You know, Chris, we, we live in a society where a lot of folks will say, well, oh, come on. Why do you always got to make it about race? Why do you got to bring up race? Right. People who want to they want to shy away from having honest conversation and, and discussion about systemic racism and 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 microaggressions, macroaggressions. Um, this is a prime example. I mean, literally, you have this documentary that's supposed to shine a light on the pioneers of women's wrestling, and they essentially ignored black women who contributed to the industry all the way back and ignored it to the point where we didn't even know that black women existed in wrestling during those times, just like you said. I mean, you, you're over here doing research for this project and you find out, oh my goodness, there was a whole collective. This was a whole thing. We're not just talking one or two people here. This was a thing. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and just like everything else in life, people of color, including black folk here in America, our contributions have largely been erased. And it is so unfortunate that History will not know most of what we've done in this country, you know, years and years ago. Yet it is so wonderful when a person like yourself comes along and says, you know something, I'm going to shine a light. I'm going to help correct the record on this particular issue here. You know, I I, I want to. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that you say you worked for a paper that's the, the oldest African-American owned uh, newspaper in the area there, because that lets me know that yeah. you're you're pretty serious about your roots. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just do want to clarify. I'm not I'm not criticizing uh, Ruth. I can't remember her last name. Ruth, who directed uh, Lipstick and Dynamite. I don't think she intentionally excluded the black women. I just, I just think it was like how a lot of people, a lot of white people may have blinders on that they don't realize a person of color or somebody who's more attuned to race relations. That detail when she did that interview with that wrestler and she mentioned, oh, yeah, there was a black woman that, that I wrestled. Someone who was a little maybe more attuned may have thought, oh, that must have been during the civil rights movement or before the civil rights movement. That's a whole other chapter I should explore. So I'm not saying she intentionally excluded her, but it's more so like the kind of uh, not, you know, being, as Maya Angelou said, being ignorant of being ignorant, like not knowing what your 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 blind side, your your blinders are are keeping you from seeing. So I think that's more what it was in the case of lipstick and dynamite. But absolutely, in a broader broader context, talking about society, yes, there have been intentional efforts to either erase Black history or not give full credit where credit is due. Absolutely, well said, well said, and 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 that's a that's a fair point that you made there. It it, it probably and and more than likely was not intentional, but it's unfortunate, you know. And and again, yeah. that's why it's so important for for all of us. And and you did it with your project here to correct the record and, and to say, Hey, no, you know, we were there as well. And we had contributions as well, which is wonderful. Um, Chris, I, I, I want to ask you about something because yeah. I know when you did this, this project, you, you just wanted to shine a light on the story. You, you wanted to provide some uh, historical record of, of these wonderful women who contributed to the pro wrestling industry did you ever imagine in your wildest dreams when you were doing this documentary that 
one of the the primary folks in the documentary would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame? Yeah, you know, that wasn't, (laughs) I have to say that wasn't on my mind at all. And periodically throughout the making of and the distribution or, you know, different screenings of the documentary, people would say to me, oh, you should contact the WWE. And it was like one of those things where I was like, okay, I'll put that on the to-do list. But it wasn't, for some reason, it wasn't at the forefront of my mind. And so when I found out that Ethel Johnson had just been inducted, you know, earlier this month in April of 2021 into the Hall of Fame, I w- my first reaction was, wow, I'm just so glad sh- she's finally getting the recognition because she really didn't get the re- And part of it was she didn't want the attention, but, part, you know, it was partly that. But I was just, my first reaction was just being thrilled and elated that she was being recognized. But no, I have to say, honestly, that wasn't, that wasn't the WWE and, Anything having to do with the WWE wasn't in my mind at all when I was making the documentary. There's been a little controversy. Uh, the, the family of Miss Ethel has spoken out, and they have made it clear that the WWE has not reached out to them about this Hall of Fame induction of, of you know their, their family member here. And to go even a step further, the video package that was utilized that was supposed to highlight Miss Ethel didn't even, you know, they, they were using different people. So can you, can yeah. you clarify that for me for a moment here? Because it, it is kind of confusing here. What, what the heck happened? Yeah. So what happened was that in the induction video, first of all, they did not, the WWE did not contact the family ahead of time to let them know that Ethel was being inducted into the hall of fame. So the family found out about it through like social media, which is just, I mean, I'm sure like maybe like me, their first reaction was, oh, I'm glad, you know, mom, my mom and my aunt are getting the recognition. But on the other hand, it was like, why wasn't I contacted? And then when you see the video and first of all, from what I could tell from the video, they did use one photo of Ethel, but like the the main photo that they used to make the announcement was of Ethel Johnson. But then they had another ask part of the video that actually used Miss um, Ethel's older sister, Babs Wingo, who actually was the first African-American female wrestler recruited by Billy Wolf into pro- professional wrestling. So Babs Wingo, Ethel's older sister, actually was the first African-American woman to integrate pro wrestling. So first of all, the family was um, upset that Babs wasn't recognized as being the older sister and the one who went first before Ethel. They're taking nothing away from you know, Miss Ethel and all of her accomplishments, of course, but they just wanted it to be clarified that Miss Ethel was the first world champion, but her older sister Babs was the original trailblazer who actually integrated pro wrestling and then recruit Babs went back and recruited her younger sister Ethel. So it was like they wanted that they wanted that clarified. And then Miss Ethel had this trademark move, this drop kick that they act that the WWE in their video actually used. Uh, a clip of Sandy Parker taking nothing away from Sandy Parker, but Sandy Parker entered the business years after the Wingo sisters. And also Marva Scott, the very younger, youngest sister of Babs, Ethel and Marva was also a wrestling legend. So they just want, so the family just kind of wanted some recognition that there were these three sisters who were like the Venus and Serena of their day who integrated pro wrestling. And even if they didn't recognize Babs or Marva, at least accurately say that Ethel was the first world 
you know, the black first black female world wrestling champion, not the first actual wrestler. And then, you know, don't <laughs> use the correct footage, which this is not about me. But as you know, I did an interview with the family for my YouTube channel. And in the, in the interview, Kim Martin, the daughter of Marva Scott and the niece of Ethel Johnson said, you know, why they could have they could have contacted me for photos and for footage to you. But I don't know where they got the photos and footage that, th that they used. But I mean, just even just double check with the family to say, hey, is this, you know, is this accurate? Or even just to let them know that, that you know, Miss Ethel was being inducted. And what's puzzling is that um, the New York Times did a very long story about Ethel back in, I want to say it was November of 2019. So they, the New York Times contacted the family through me. They, they found out, that I guess, you know, I don't know how the New York Times found out about the Lady Wrestler documentary, but, you know, as you said, there have been articles written about it. I've been on other podcasts and even local television here in Columbus. So it's not like there's no record of the documentary being out there about Ethel, and Ethel talking about her whole life and career in the documentary. So the New York Times managed to find me and said, hey, we would like to talk to a representative of the family for this, you know, extended obituary and tribute we're doing to Ethel Johnson. They did, you know, the New York Times did it properly and the family really appreciated the New York Times doing it. So the, the family, did, I, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not the family spokesperson. I don't want to put words in their mouth. I think they just wanted the WWE to just kind of correct the video and give proper attribution to their mother's and aunt's title. That, that's really all they wanted. So that that's the controversy. And I think because the WWE didn't reach out to them ahead of time, and as far as I know, haven't reached out to them since to correct the issue, I think that's why the family was upset. And no one, you know, we all make mistakes. As a journalist, I've had to run corrections. You know, that's part of being a human being and being a, you know, part of being a mature adult is when somebody brings an error to your attention. You know, yes, sometimes it's embarrassing and sometimes it's irritating. But you say, oh, you know, I'm sorry, my bad. Let me let me correct it. That's you, that's all the family wanted. And let's let's throw a hypothetical out there. What if a boxing organization um, inducted Joe Lewis into their Hall of Fame and they use footage of Joe Frazier? Um, do you think maybe the fans and the the family and the estate of Joe Lewis might be a bit perturbed? That's that's all it is. Is just you know we all make mistakes. Just cop to them and correct it that that's all they're asking for you know it's it's really interesting that you you brought up the new york times piece because yeah that was a that was a major piece as well and i was going to ask you about that chris i mean mm -hmm. you're available you're not a hard guy to reach i i right sent you a message and you responded back pretty quickly um you're an easy guy to talk to so i i would imagine that if you can't find the family which you know obviously would have taken some effort. Yeah, you would have. You're the perfect person to bridge that gap because you've put so much work into uh, telling this story and and you and you created a whole documentary and what have you about it. I don't understand. And I'm talking to all of all of my friends in the WWE. And I know some of you listen to Duke Loves Wrestling. And I appreciate that. I don't understand why someone didn't at the very least contact Chris about getting in touch with uh, Miss Ethel's family and doing this yeah. thing the right way. Right. And I want to be clear, this is not about me or me like trying to, you know, throw my ego around and say, oh, I should have been recognized. It's, it's not about me. It's, it's all about 
Miss Ethel and her family. That's that's where the legacy is. But even if they didn't contact me, there was an ex- there was an exhibit that the Ohio History Connection, which is the statewide history organization in Ohio, did where they got where they had an exhibit where they included the history of black women in wrestling. So they could have contacted the Ohio History Connection and said, do you know how we get in touch with Ethel Johnson's family? And they could have connected them with either the family or with me. So there were multiple avenues, not just me. They could have, for that matter, they could have contacted the New York Times reporter and said, you know, just a simple Google search of Ethel Johnson would bring, I'm sure it would bring up the New York Times article and contact that reporter and say, how did you speak to Shelley Adams? We see her quoted as being Ethel Johnson's daughter. How can we get in contact with her? So it's not all about me. There were, there are multiple avenues through which they could have contacted the family. They could have contacted WWE Hall of Famer Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> you <laughs> know what I mean? Absolutely. It, yeah. It, because yeah. There, there are so many people who are still under contract with the WWE who have competed in what was once known as the Arnold Classic. Um, so there's a, there's a strong relationship with you know the governor the terminator the arnold <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a strong relationship with arnold and i'm sure that the combination of your documentary the new york times article and also you know arnold's organization recognizing miss ethel i'm pretty yes. sure all of those things combined helped get her on the wwe radar enough for them to say you know what we got to put her in the hall of fame so right. again i i just i i feel like and i'm and i'm I'm speaking on behalf of myself here. I'm not putting words in anybody else's mouth. WWE, reach out, get to the family, make this right. And then more importantly, after that, let us know how you made it right. Okay? Don't just do it behind the scenes here. Actually put this out. We made a mistake. Here's how we fixed it. And this is what we're going to do going forward to make sure that we don't make similar mistakes because we we respect these wrestlers and their contribution to the industry. And we want to celebrate them and their family to the highest degree. That's what the Hall of Fame is about. So WWE, I'm telling you, bro. Listen, WWE, you know, this is me talking now. Please get this right because it's an easy fix. And right now, yes. y'all looking kind of funky on this one. And I, it, you know, on a personal level, I'm very frustrated and disappointed because this was a slam dunk. It was easy. It was simple. You know what I mean? And, and it just, it really bothers me to see that the family has been disrespected and the legacy of Miss Ethel and her sister Babs has been disrespected in such a, in such a manner that is, that was so avoidable. So yes, I, I'm, absolutely. I'm, hoping and praying that they get this thing right and they correct this issue because there's, there's no need for it. Um, Chris, are, are you somebody now? <laughs> Cause I, you know, you and I were talking offline a little bit and I know that mm-hmm. you, you're aware of pro wrestling. You, you consider mm-hmm. yourself more of a casual pro wrestling fan as opposed to some kind of diehard or what have you. Um, right. But, but since this documentary, have you found yourself, Getting that 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 itch again, where you're you're a little bit more interested in pro wrestling recently than you ever had been over the past few years that you kind of stepped away from it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, spending hours and hours researching any topic is going to pique your interest in it. So actually, uh, I, I this is a story I've told before, but I realized when I actually finished a, a cut of the documentary in 2017, I realized I had actually never been to a wrestling match in person. So I was like, I need to go actually see what I just made an entire movie about. So I went to 
WrestleCon in Orlando, they had a big women's wrestling tournament. And one of the things uh, that that struck me, and this is this is I think was a strength of being sort of more of a detached observer than you know like a really really passionate fan who's so close to the industry, is that at this big women's re- it was you know this big independent uh, wrestling tournament, women's wrestling tournament. I noticed that the male fans in the audience were like extremely, extremely uh, passionate and were just yelling and screaming the whole time and running up to the women wrestlers after their matches and wanted to take selfies with them and high-fiving them. And the women who were in the audience were a little more subdued, kind of like ho-hum, you know, I'm not really that impressed with, with what these girls are doing. And it just occurred to me that that wrestling is one of the few sports in which women's wrestling, I should say, is one of the few sports in which women are the main attraction, but perhaps men are the, the the main fans of the sport. I can't imagine a football stadium filled with men wanting to watch women's wrestling or a golf course filled with men wanting to watch ladies golf. I just don't see that happening. Even the WW, even the WNBA, you know, I don't know how much of a huge male passionate male fan base they have that are as, as passionate as male wrestling fans are about women's wrestling. So it just kind of struck me that a lot of male rest, a lot of male fans that are that enjoy women's wrestling would not label themselves as feminists, but they have this sort of egalitarian mindset where if you can wrestle, if you can do the holds and the moves, they don't really care about your gender. It's more about your skills. And I think that's something that's really underrated about wrestling. And I don't know that I would have been able to make that observation if I had been so close and so into it and, you know, that I couldn't see, I couldn't kind of take a step back and say, hmm, this is really interesting. And actually earlier this year, um, you know, because the wrestling industry is, you know, of course, trying to slowly reopen as as a lot of industries are. I went to uh, the Ohio wrestling match, had a tribute to African-American wrestlers where they had a small match, you know, where it was a small socially distanced, everybody in the audience had to wear masks at one of the fairgrounds here in Columbus. And Trisha Dory, you know, who's of course one of the rising independent black female wrestlers, I got to meet her and that was really cool. So yeah, I'm, def- I'm definitely getting more into it and kind of re- reacquainting myself with the sport for sure. You know, Chris, you might find yourself uh, doing a piece on Trisha Dora. Here's I would a, love here's to. A, I would love to. She's a, she's a military veteran. She is a rising star in the pro wrestling industry, as you said, and she is proud to be black. Yes, and absolutely. When, when I say that, that that's going to land on people who understand it and it may go over a few heads. But when you live in a world where being marginalized, being mistreated, being picked over, being told that, you know, black is supposed to be dirty to, to the degree right. that. To even say a person is black makes some people uncomfortable, which is part right. of the reason why the whole African-American thing is is so prominently used, because people think that it's it's somehow bad to say black. Um, so right, when, you, right. when you when you see somebody take pride in their entire identity, including their race, like Trisha Dora does, it just it gives you hope because you know that. Pro wrestling, probably more than anything else, these are real life superheroes, and yes. they're inspirational. People people find strength in watching these real life superheroes, you know, fight whether it's good and evil or, or you know go through the motions, be, win championships, 
lose championships, whatever, um, somebody's going to see Trisha Dora and they're going to say, you know something? She's comfortable in who she is. I'm comfortable in who I am. Absolutely. And She's definitely a role model. And I, and I have to, first of all, give a shout out to a filmmaker in D.C. named Antonio Hernandez. He actually already did a documentary about Trisha Dora. And um, it's, it's, you know, it's a short documentary. It's like maybe a half an hour. But that's how I found out about her was through Antonio Hernandez. So I have to give a shout out to him. But I, I would love to do some kind of interview with Trisha. In fact, I contacted her through email, but we've just been kind of playing email tag. But she absolutely is a role model, especially for for young black women. Absolutely. Well, Trisha Dora, I know you're listening right now. Uh, she's a she's a, a great person and someone I'm in contact with. So we're going to find a way to, to put you two together there, Chris, because you do such great work that, you know, whether it's an article or, or YouTube, whatever, it would be really, really a thrill on a personal level to see you and Trish interact and, and just what conversation comes out of that. Uh, because it would be an absolute thrill and honor for me. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll we'll do what we can to make that happen because uh, definitely you you both of you are two people I'm fans of, and I love great storytelling and and to learn more about who she is, Trisha Dora, literally somebody who every wrestling promotion on the planet should be doing all that they can to sign her because she is that talented, and I think that she's only like her best years are ahead of her. She like we haven't even seen oh, what yeah. she can do yet, you know. So oh, yeah, she's she's definitely on the rise for sure, hundred percent, hundred percent. Which you know, it's it's interesting. Um, and I brought up the the journalism piece again because I want to make this clear for everybody listening. Chris is not some wrestling website journalist guy. Uh, you know, you're you're a journalist by trade. What do you cover primarily, Chris? Yeah, so I've. I, I cover a, a lot of different things. Um, so I so my journalism now is mostly freelance. So I still actually cover a local community here in Columbus. And, you know, I cover everything from, you know, the most mundane everyday things like zoning meetings to I actually just did a piece for uh, a magazine about the history of a park here. Uh, a, a park that back in the 70s was like a gathering place. Every Sunday, the African-American community would gather and people like Dick Gregory would come and, you know, do speeches or performances. So, so historic, you know, kind of continuing that, his documenting the history of the Black community. And then I, I love pop culture and entertainment. So I've been a, a movie reviewer and like a concert reviewer. And I, you know, I've gone and covered award shows. I've covered the BET Awards and the Essence Awards. And so, yeah. Anything having to do with pop culture, but I, I I love documenting Black history as well. Just finding out things that, you know, either I didn't know or that, you know, maybe I was kind of vaguely aware of it, but kind of finding out the details. And yeah, I, I love that. It's, it's like, you know, it's funny because I wanted to, when I was really young, when I was like nine or 10, I wanted to be an archaeologist because of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So it's almost like being an archaeologist where you're you're doing digs, but, you know, virtually. And you're, you know, you're uncovering artifacts. So I, I love doing that. Well, you know, you, you have us all at bated breath here, Chris. Why don't you let everybody know what's the best way that they can check out what you're writing, what you're working on online, you know, your, your social media, your websites, the whole nine yards. What's the best way to, that people can follow you, Chris? Yeah. So if people want to see Lady Wrestler, it's available for streaming streaming right now on Amazon Prime Video and the website 
for the documentary where you can find more information about Ethel Johnson and her sisters, Babs Wingo and Marva Scott and Ramona Isbell and women like them is ladywrestlermovie.com. There's a Lady Wrestler Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Lady Wrestler Movie. Then you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chris Borne Writer, writer like W-R-I-T-E-R, writer. And also, let me just, let, let me, I'm sorry, I just want to give a quick shout out to Raymond Lambert, who I wrote a book with called All Jokes Aside. It's the history of a Chicago, of a comedy club in Chicago, where a lot of big black comedians like Dave Chappelle, D.L. Hughley, and Monique got their start. So that was a project I was actually working on simultaneously with Lady Wrestler, and that's available on Amazon as well. You said that's available on Amazon as well. Is that a, I know it's in written form. Is there a, a movie as well? Well, it is. there actually is a documentary called Funny Business, Funny with a PH, you know, because that was like the thing in the 90s, like Fat Farm and all of sure, you know, sure. that kind of hip hop trend. So that I actually had, wasn't involved with the documentary that was completed before I got involved with writing the book. But that's available. Uh, there's a I believe you can watch it on Amazon as well. But there's also a website if you just I believe I want to say it's Funny Business, the movie. But if you just got Google Funny Business the movie or funny business documentary, it'll come up. And it has interviews with a lot of the comedians that uh, perform there, like Steve Harvey and uh, Cedric the Entertainer, and even even like Carlos Mencia. It was it was like an it was sort of like the show, sort of like the Apollo of uh, comedy clubs back in the 90s. That's cool. That's really, really cool. I mean, you're a well-rounded individual, Chris, and, and so talented. So we really appreciate you coming on the show this week. Um, before I let you go, Everybody knows what's coming here, except for you. I'm a foodie, Chris. I am a foodie. Yes. I love food. I, I feel like when it comes to building relationships with people, no matter where they're from in the world, if you can find some kind of common ground around food or and yes. music, then you can build a whole foundation off of that and, and, and build a relationship with somebody. So I'm going to ask you, before I let you go here, I'm on the road. Right, I'm driving from Boston. I'm on the road. I, I, I find myself up there in uh, Ohio. Yes. Where am I stopping? Anywhere in the state? Where am I stopping to grab a a great meal um, that represents Ohio the best? Where Where am I going, yes. and what am I ordering? Well, a place that would be easy for you to find is centrally located. It's called the North Market. It's a huge indoor market where they have different food stalls. And there are a couple of black owned restaurants in this uh, North Market. And one of the ones I love, I, and I'm sorry, the name of the place is escaping me. But if you just ask anyone in the North Market, where is the Ethiopian restaurant? There is this bomb Ethiopian restaurant that has anything you could want, uh, like chicken, goat, that that bread, that vinegary type bread in Jira. So I would go to the North Market and ask around for the Ethiopian restaurant and you will just you would just, that would bring you back to Columbus just to have that Ethiopian food. It's like the best Ethiopian food I've ever tasted. Hi, this is Earl Oliver from Sully Finish Wrestling. This is Raj Geary with WrestlingInc.com. This is Sean Reed, boxing writer and undercover low-key wrestling fan. And you're listening to Duke Love Wrestling. Woo! Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Blue Magic, one half of the Mixed Tag Show with Jenna and Blue, and you are listening to Duke Love Wrestling. My man, Blue Magic. Okay, so so we got to talk about this now. 
Are you right. a big Jay Z fan? Is 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 that where this whole Blue Magic thing comes from? Yeah, definitely. That's that's definitely a, a avenue of it. Um, I'm a big Jay Z fan. Um, I'm part of a fraternity, Five Eight Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Um, my favorite color is blue. Um, so it all came together. You know, and I always liked the the tagline of "It's a brand name like Pepsi." Like you stand by it, and I always felt like I carried myself as a brand. Um, so I always thought of myself like your Blue Magic. Ain't nobody else Blue Magic out here. So let, let me run with that. That's all right. That's all right. Now listen, you know, there's there's different uh, types of hair care products like Blue Wave, and, and there's also yeah. I think there's a Blue Magic hair care. There, there is a Blue so, Magic. My mom took a picture of it and sent it to me. <laughs> so you you didn't grow up. With- uh, using that yourself, huh? Uh, not really. No, I come from a Haitian household, so we used to use the the Crown Royal, the little red um situation. It's like the sure. red with a silver top. Yeah, yeah. See, listen, man. I mean, my mom's Jamaican, but my father's from Mississippi, so all of that okay. Murray's and and Blue Magic, you know, all that coconut oil based stuff that right, you put right. in your hair to make sure your <laughs> waves are all tight. Got to have the waves now, Blue. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Although, <laughs> although man, I, I shave my head bald these days, so there ain't much waves going on these days. But it is, yeah, definitely, days, especially you know? with the pandemic. Um, I definitely went bald. <laughs> Can't yeah, trust no barbers. Yeah. Nah, man, better safe than sorry, brother. And and when you shave it bald, you don't have to worry about it. So that makes it even better. So yeah. what do you use to shave your head? Because I I use razors, right? And then I tried to get like those um like um Freedom Grooming. I saw that on Instagram. I bought my wife got it for me. And it's trash. So, like, I went back to razors. I can't, like, I'm trying to find something more easier than a razor to do, do, do the whole ball head thing. So, so this is an exclusive now because here on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, we are known for talking about a little bit of everything, including pro wrestling. So now we're going to talk about black men's hair care routines, specifically right. shaving <laughs> our head bald. Okay. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in now. Here we go. So I have an art of shaving um, safety razor is what we call it. So it's you use the, okay. the uh, straight blades there. So it's a single blade joint, right? Mm. So I don't let the hair get too too thick. If it gets too thick, then I'll just use a, a pair of clippers to bring it down. Then I'll start with that art of shaving safety razor, and I'll get all the hard-to-reach and sensitive spots, Right. So after I do that, then I'll finish with a triple blade razor like a a Gillette Mach 3 or something along those lines there. I'll finish with that. Um, But I got to be honest with you, Blue. One of the things that is important to me is the skincare aspect of the shaving. Because as you know, man, when you shave your head, it's easy to get irritation bumps and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, so the aftershaves that you use, of course, you got to figure out what's best for your skin, but always use your aftershaves, your moisturizers. I definitely use coconut oil on my head afterwards to keep it moisturized. And even the, the shaving gels that I use, I always make sure I use something that also has a, a skin hydration mechanism in there too, just to, I want to provide as much uh, cushion and, and as much ease as possible when it comes to shaving. So you don't end up having ingrown hairs, you know? Yeah, I, I, I again, I'm used to this. I got, I balded my hair last year, right before my, my, my wedding. And then uh, I've been doing balls since, ever since then. I've been just using the, the three blades. It's going straight back and cleaning up real nicely. I nicked my ear one time, had this nasty cut on my ear. 
So maybe show I had to be a little bit more careful with it. But I do the I do the lavating with the shaving cream and like you said, I make sure it's like um irritation, protection, or something like that. And then I laven up and then I do the 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 balding. And then after that, I usually hop in the shower and I do the exfoliating with the gel like you usually use for your face, I think. My boy told me to use it on my head. Because I have like really like dry scalp. So it was showing a lot at first. It's better now. So I've been exfoliating it afterwards with that. And then like I use like one of those scrub uh gloves that exfoliate my head. And then it's like this, uh I don't know what it's called. I forgot what it's called. It's in the in the bathroom and it's like you put it on your head afterwards and it kinda stings a little bit. It's not really shaving uh uh whatever you call it, but like I don't know. It just helps it in terms of like when your skin is exposed from exfoliating, helps the pores close up faster, I guess. And then my, my wife got me this uh, tree oil or something like that that I just spray on there and I just rub it in. And, and it's been really good. It's been helping out pretty well. Now lately, I've been using a little bit well, of baby oil. No, no, no. Don't use that. Don't use that. No, don't use don't that use on your head, oil? bro. No, it actually will clog your pores. You don't want to do that. Really? Yeah, you'll get more ingrown hairs and stuff with the baby oil, man. And oh, plus, geez. the baby oil. Now, here's the problem: if you if you're walking around bare head outside, baby oil, the sun, it you're, you'll burn your head, man. There's no two ways about that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I'm new to this. I'm still trying to learn. I, I know we got to we, we got to hip you to the game, but I'm I'm gonna add something to your routine, and I know that your wife already has it, so this is a good thing. Um. You want to find a cleanser for your skin. Now, it's got to be a face cleanser. It's got to be something that really is serious about clearing up any kind of acne or any kind of thing like use, that. Exfoliating. Put that on your head. Now, but that's different now. The exfoliator is, is you, want to, you want to continue to use that too, but you want to have a regular cleanser in addition to that. Okay. Right? To, to do afterwards. Keep your skin clear. Yeah. Well, it, well, okay. When you're in the shower. When you're in the shower, okay. so it's like when you're washing your face, you're going to wash not only your face, but your head, the back of your neck, underneath your your uh, chin, all of those sensitive areas there, right? Okay, got now, you, got you. The other part of this, which is very important, Blue, instead of just shaving front to back, don't be afraid. You, you got to shave different parts of your head differently. Yeah, I know. I, fe- I found that out the hard way. I was like, yo, I got patches in my head? I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> and we go across the other way. I start, I learned how to like feel for the groove and see how which way they're going. And then That's so I could, it. That's uh, it. so I could shave against the grain, basically. Yeah, you know what? I, I barely use a mirror anymore, man. I just I use my hands to feel where the where the, the patches are. And right. once everything is smooth, then I know that I, I, I finished the job. So that's and the I, easiest way. But you got to take it easy though. Don't use a brand new razor because you're you're more likely to cut yourself with a brand new razor. Yeah, I, I tend to do that. Change, when I feel like it's getting dull, I switch it up. But the, the best part about that is, is that I wear glasses. So when I'm shaving my head, I can't have my glasses on. So I'm already feeling around. So I'm completely blind good. without my glasses. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, stay away from the brand new razors on your head, to be honest with you, Blue. Use a razor that you've used on your face for a couple weeks. It sounds okay. crazy, but trust me, it's better to have a blade that's slightly dull where you can control it. Because if you use a brand new blade and you press too hard, which happens... Uh, you will cut yourself. You're going to have nicks everywhere, bro. There's no two yeah. ways about that. You know. Yeah. So so anyone listening to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, you literally just got about eight minutes of hair care, <laughs> skin care. You know what I'm saying? You all, <laughs> you're all ready now. I'm, uh, but listen, I'll even post a couple of pictures on the uh, 
social media and underneath this show and what have you here, I'm very serious about the skincare routine because, you know, we as black men, we don't talk about this stuff enough. Um, yeah. And I think that misconception that we're supposed to just walk around looking crazy with bumps on the back of our neck, bumps on the back. Yeah, that, that's not, but that's not cool. Your wife don't want to see you looking like that. Facts. You know, and, and it's not comfortable. <laughs> You, 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 exactly you know, we, we fly dudes, man. We fly. We can't we can't be walking around looking crazy. So, you know, the, the cleansers, the exfoliators, making sure, like you said, the tea tree oil, which is fantastic for the skin. Um, and you got to have you got to get a good aftershave, Blue. I, yes, I, I do have to get an aftershave. I have that. I don't know what it is. My boy got I should go run and, and find out what it is. I'll, 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 I'll text you later after this and let you know what it is. Like he got me having to do after I do the exfoliating and close up the pores. It stings a little bit, but I feel like it's doing its job so that I won't get no razor bumps or anything like that. That's know. what you need, brother. Got a condition. Yeah, that's that's how you condition the skin. That's good stuff. That's good stuff, man. So listen, you watched WrestleMania, right? Yes, I did. Okay, so we just got finished up with WrestleMania 37. It was uh, a return to somewhat what we would consider normal because there were live uh, fans in attendance and what have you. Yeah. It was a little yeah. different this year, almost like a throwback where WrestleMania itself was a, was a two night event, which is yeah. pretty interesting, you know? So I, I know a lot of shows are going to cover the whole card and go match by match. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. You. I want to, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to mess around with the hors d'oeuvres. I want to get right to the heart of things here. Let's go straight for the meat and potatoes. So, so blue magic, tell me right now, brother, if you were to pick three positive takeaways from the entire, you know, nights one and night two, and you could even throw NXT in there as well. What are your three positive takeaways for WrestleMania weekend in particular? Uh, I'll say number three, and I'm like, if anybody listens to the mixed tag show with me in general, you know I'm a big advocate for the women's division and the women's in general. I think one of the positive spots that's probably surprised most people is the unofficial hosting of Bailey. Like I feel like it just showed how diverse and how she can adapt to a situation that's not officially presented to her. Right? Everybody's been talking all week, like, what is Bailey gonna do at WrestleMania? And she showed up and basically was a better host than the actual hosts of the show. So it showed again that she could do whatever is asked of her, and make it interesting. So I feel like, like to me, that's number three. Like she really held that down, unannounced, just popped up and held it down for for WrestleMania weekend. Okay, so that's one. What's what's another one here? You got two more to go, Blue. It's hard with this weekend, right? I, I'll go Bobby Lashley and, and Drew McIntyre. They surprised me. Um, I didn't look forward to this feud at all. Um, I was, you know, if anybody followed me again, I was really for. Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. I felt like this would have been a time to perfectly do it. You're getting the crowd back. You know what I'm saying? You're getting your fans back. We haven't seen Brock in over a year. We've been, like, I feel like they've had this uh, parallel uh, career for the past, what, 15, 17 years. And Bobby Lashley's been calling out Brock out in the open on every media touch he has been doing. And when he, like, basically won the title, I felt like it was a good time to, to move Drew McIntyre into another program and invite Brock in because they'll create another uh, angle to it where Paul Haynes with Roman Reigns, his arch emesis, essentially. And I feel like it would have been a good role to go with, but it didn't go that way. But even though we, we had a great match with Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley came out looking strong, took three future shocks, actually four, I believe, all together, kicked out and still won the match. 
nice and clean. Uh, so that, that's that'd be the second one for me. And then, of course, number one, which I think should be on everybody's number one's list, is the main event of the weekend. Uh, Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair for the women's title, SmackDown women's title. I feel like both of those women really delivered, man. Uh, it was a very emotional thing to watch with my wife. Uh, I really enjoyed every aspect of it. If anybody knows, I've been rooting for Sasha for the past six, seven years from NXT days. Um, and to see her get that moment, it was really emotional for me. I've been riding with Bianca since she hit the scene as well. I was one of like one of the first people to get the EST shirts, and and I because I've I travel a lot to Orlando. Um, so watching the two of my favorites go in the ring, it was just very, very, and seeing two black women main event of WrestleMania, it just meant something very, very special to me. That was a good call, man. Good call. 100%. And, and I agree with everything that you said there. Um, I will definitely say for me, the number one positive takeaway is just women's wrestling in general. Um, you know, women of color were, were strongly represented on this WrestleMania card, especially in the top spots. Yeah. You know, for the weekend itself, or NXT and then both nights of WrestleMania, women headlined. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, two of yeah. those spots, which is a big deal. That's a, that's a very big deal. And women of color came out on top. You know, whether we're talking Victoria Gonzalez, shout out to Victoria there, or whether we're talking about, um, uh, or what is she, excuse me, Raquel. I called her by her Raquel, real name. Yeah. Uh, Raquel, yeah, Raquel. Gonzalez, <laughs> Gonzalez there. Or, or we're talking about uh, Bianca Belair, which is fantastic. And, you know, shout out to to Bailey, shout out to Charlotte Flair, and shout out to Sasha Banks. I think the three of them did a fantastic job of doing all that they could to help Bianca get to this point. I feel yeah. like... When you really think about it, Bianca's still relatively new to the industry, and it's not like she was making her bones on the indies or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? So the, yeah, yeah. the learning curve is pretty steep. The learning curve is pretty steep. So the fact that she's already a champion, the fact that she's already headlined WrestleMania and walked yeah. out champion, I just think that that is just tremendous. A star is born. I love it. It's it's fantastic. So the women definitely number one for me. Um, number two, take, it, it, we, I'm sorry to cut you off. If you think about where Bianca has came from, like two years ago when she had that takeover match against, I want to say it was a Shayna Baszler, um, and she lost that match. And you could tell that she didn't feel like herself in that match, and she was very disappointed. And, you know, Triple H telling her, you know, to stay encouraged, and that she got this. And then two years later, to reach the point that she reached, like, it's unheard of. Agreed. Agreed 100%. And once again, this is somebody who does not have a wrestling background at all in any way shape or form no family so nothing to be nothing so to be at the top of the mountain like that is just a testament to how fantastic and talented she is and also her peers yeah her peers being willing to share the spotlight to step out of the way so bianca can step in at the top of the mountain there and be herself and be her best self i just think that's fantastic i mean it's clear that Especially Sasha, especially Bailey, especially Charlotte, they support Bianca because they have given a lot to make yeah. this new star. You know what I mean? Pro wrestling is not a one person can't do it on their own. You really need a lot of unselfish people, or at, at the very least, business people, people who understand the aspect of business. Like, hey, it's somebody else's is time to shine. Uh, you really need them to be to cooperate in order for you to be a star. You know what I'm saying? Because at any time, yeah, yeah, man. At any time, Charlotte, 
at any time Bailey, at any time Sasha, they could have injured Bianca. They could have told Vince McMahon she ain't ready. They could have made all the excuses in the world for why she shouldn't be where she is today. And they didn't do that. In fact, if you look at the history, all they've ever done is put her over both verbally and also in the ring. They've taken a lot of time to make sure that she looks as as great as she can look, which has allowed her to have more confidence in the ring. And that's why she's in a position where she deserves to be champion because she's that damn good. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's really a beautiful testament to what happens when people work together and they put business ahead of themselves. And, And when you want to see somebody win, when you want to see somebody succeed, and I think that's also a testament to Bianca as a person because if she was a jerk, I don't know if this would have happened. Right. You know what I'm that's, saying? That's, so, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you so you that, see, that's, you that's see the business before yourself. Exactly. Exactly. So she's not she's not putting herself before everybody else. She was humble in the way that she's carried herself. I think they recognize that. And that's why these women have gotten behind her. And the end result is just, you know, the sky's the limit for everybody. Everybody wins in this situation. So once again, shout out to Bianca Belair. Um, For me, number two is the Miz and Morrison. And and really, to a certain extent, Damian Priest as well. I feel like the three of them doing everything humanly possible to put Bad Bunny in a position where he could look as strong as he, a guy who is not a wrestler, a guy Listen. who clearly is not the greatest <laughs> athlete in the world. I mean, he's smaller than you and I, Blue. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like for this guy to look as good as he did in the ring, Bad Bunny, I just think that that is incredible. And, and, and also shout out to Adam Pierce. Shout out to Drew Gulak. I mean, they they trained him for the past seven, eight months. He, Bad Bunny that's, looked that's incredible. That's you know? and, and honestly, I was looking, I was thinking it was about the, when they all brought the commercial up with Triple H. I thought it was about to announce him joining, being in the Money in the Bank. <laughs> the way the briefcase came out, I was like, "Yeah, they about to put this man in the Money in the Bank next." Oh no. yeah, this well, would be. <laughs> I would have been okay with that just by the way that he performed that WrestleMania. Bad buddy, he took great. it very seriously. He took it very seriously. He, took it, he, he respects the business, and and no disrespect to any other celebrities. Um, I think Floyd Mayweather put a lot of effort in as well, so I'm going to give him his props yeah. when he fought the Big Show. Uh, but we've seen other people not take it as seriously. Bad Bunny, with the exception of um, Pat McAfee, who legitimately, you know, he continued to do program and stuff like that. Um, I would say Bad Bunny took this as seriously as any celebrity we've ever seen. And he didn't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, I, for that when reason. It Pat, when it comes to Pat McAfee, though, okay. I, I, don't, I don't put them in the same breath only because Pat McAfee's been around backstage. He's been looking for... True. Some kind of you know job or whatever the case may be. That's why I never like like the comparison between the two because Pat McAfee's basically he does his show on the podcast and he's trying to find his way into the wrestling business. It's well known. True. True. Bad Bunny's is the in the peak of his career right now as an artist. This reminds me of like when Dennis Rodman used to go out there in the middle of playoff time to get you know what I'm saying because they love the business that much. That's the way I look yeah. at it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. And, and and that's such a positive thing for the wrestling industry as a whole, because that's what you need. You need people who actually give a damn. Stop giving these opportunities to these celebrities who don't add anything other than a payday for themselves. 
Facts. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and Bad Bunny is a prime example of somebody who gives a damn about pro wrestling. So he came into pro wrestling, dedicated some time in order to learn what the hell he was doing so he wouldn't hurt anybody out there. And then he put on a great performance. So shout Selling out to everybody all. involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. Shout out to everybody involved in that. I think that was just a wonderful thing. And, um, you know, my last takeaway, in all honesty, is just the fans. I, I feel yeah. like everybody, whether you've been happy with the WWE or not, I feel like everybody got wrapped up in the emotion of WrestleMania. And it felt good to feel that feeling again because we know what it felt like to have it taken away from us. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? And to so, see, and, it, so. and just to get that old part of McMahon coming out and hitting us with the old line, "Welcome to WrestleMania," like, like I was at home and I stood up and clapped. Like yeah. <laughs> it, just, yeah. it gave me that feeling again. Like, oh my god, we're back to what we was before, and you know, it was a very good yeah. feeling. It was a good feeling, and unfortunately, I felt like that might be one of the last times we'll see Vince do that. Yeah. So it was bittersweet in that regard. I, I really felt like. If we never see him do that again, it, that's a very strong possibility. Because, again, think about what we've gone through with the pandemic over the past year. There's, no one's tomorrow's a promise, right? Yeah. So I didn't realize how much it meant to me to see Vince McMahon do his voice, stand out there in front of everybody with all the wrestlers around him, and, and, and say exactly what you just said, welcome to WrestleMania. I didn't realize how important that was to me until he did that this week. And it was like, oh, yeah, this is actually, yeah, that's it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it got me back <laughs> into the groove, man. So that's that was deep. That was deep. That was that was a, a beautiful thing there. Um, so we talked about the positive takeaways, the top three positive takeaways. What about your top three not-so-positive takeaways, Blue? Um, one, of the po- the, one of the minus is our takeaway is that night two didn't deliver like night one. Like, it was even close. So it shows the, the the difference and what matters to the to the to the corporation to the to the business in a sense. Like I said this, I said I think I said this in a, in a group that we're in, and I said this to a few people. It felt like it was a 50-50 booking where Vince was like, "All right, night one, I'm gonna give y'all what y'all want, but night two, it's all me." <laughs> so in that sense, um, and I feel like he he missed on a lot of things when it came to night two, and it just didn't feel like WrestleMania on night two. It just felt like that should have been raw. You know what I mean? Like, and in the sense of even with the main event between Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, and Edge, it was a cool match, but did it feel like a WrestleMania main event? And then another thing I'll take away from the weekend is um, the tag division to me. Like, I love the tag division, and I feel like they could do so much more. And the only thing we got tag division-wise was the Raw Tag Team Championship, which was a very good match. Like, I'm not putting nothing against that, but we didn't see the SmackDown Tag Team titles um, we didn't see uh, anything that approved the tag team division overall outside of who won world tag team titles. And I feel like the tag team division, like the women division to an extent, has suffered a lot for whatever reason. And I really wish that they would like refocus on that. And the number one thing I took away from the whole weekend is that a lot of people's favorites are, because of poor booking in the, in the, in the past, it's, it's suffering right now in a sense of like, now Sasha, and again, I've said this on, on the mixed tag show with Jenna, this takes nothing away from what we said about Bianca. She deserved it and everything like that. The reason why it stings for us Sasha fans is because now she's 0-6 at WrestleMania. 
for Asuka, she's 0-4 at WrestleMania. For the New Day, outside of, of, of Kofi winning the title, what he did, they're like 0-3, and, and, and so on and so forth. Bray Wyatt is 0-4. I don't count the match he had with John Cena last year because nobody even knew what that was. Um, but like a lot of people, if you just booked them a little bit differently and made them more secure and who they are, this WrestleMania wouldn't have hurt as much as it did. Like, why was, you know, The Fiend losing to Randy Orton after one RKO? When we've seen, and after he's been burnt alive, and we've seen what he went through with Seth Rollins in Hell in a Cell, one RKO just diminished his whole character, in my opinion. So I just took that away. Like, it hurt a lot of people this time around. You know, definitely insightful stuff there, Blue. And, and again, I don't disagree with you one bit. Um on a personal level, I, I I gotta say that my number one issue with WrestleMania this year was the fact that Hulk Hogan, of all people, was a co-host of the show. I mean Hulk Hogan. I don't really acknowledge that man. <laughs> I, 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 just oh, put I, that gotta, I just put that man out of my brain, like, kill. Get I away. I don't blame <laughs> you. I don't blame you. He is a self-described racist. And yeah. I don't think enough people acknowledge this fact. The man is on camera. A, describing himself as a racist and he has not done anything to atone for his racism. He's a selfish bastard in my opinion. Um, so I wasn't happy about him hosting and I wasn't happy that Titus was put in a situation where he had to, to provide cover for Hulk Hogan yeah. because I'd like to believe that Titus is a quality human being that, that doesn't deserve that crap, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm just I'm, I'm disgusted with the WWE over that, and I'm disappointed in the WWE over that. At so, the WWE does not need Hulk Hogan right now; they don't need him at all, at all anymore. And Hulk Hogan Period. doesn't need the money. <laughs> Hulk Hogan doesn't need the money. <laughs> so, I mean, Hulk Hogan sued Gawker and took the whole company down, and I think he won what is like fifty, sixty million dollars. So even if he got half that amount, Hulk Hogan right. does not need WWE money. Give me a break. Okay, and so I, we're just doing this to stoke his ego. Forget his ego. Okay, it's past the generation. So, to be honest with you, <laughs> yeah, bro, yeah, bro. Most of these kids watching today never saw Hulk Hogan wrestle. Give me a break, or at least they weren't alive to see it. So I got a problem with that. Uh, my second issue of the weekend was just the whole notion of having WrestleMania outdoors. I think it was just a piss poor decision. And you saw with the rain delays, which really they're lucky that it didn't get worse. Yeah. So I think that was, that's... you, you got to go with an indoor event. And I understand with COVID and with, with, with live fans, I know that there was logic behind what they did. So don't get me wrong here. But at least. What's the last time they had an indoor? You could close it. What's that? What was the last time they had an indoor WrestleMania, though? That's a good question. I, I don't even know. That's a, that's a very good they question. They haven't done that in a while. They've been doing all these stadiums, and I, the only, I think the only stadium that has traction to do open and close is when they go to Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, true. True. Well, they, they got to figure that out. But I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of the outdoor business because there's too many variables that get in the way. And again, I understand with COVID, there was logic behind it. But I also understand the fact that Mother Nature has her, her own ideas. So you got to right. be careful, and from a safety standpoint, you're 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 taking less risk on one end, and you're increasing risk on another end. That could have been a disaster. So I was yeah, a little concerned the, about that. You know, and it's not the first and, time uh, they they had a rain at the WrestleMania. So I went to WrestleMania in Orlando. I think that was WrestleMania 35. It rained. It's not a fun experience <laughs> sitting in the rain and watching people wrestle. 
<laughs> so what did you do? Like how did how did you deal with that, Blue? Uh, I think we had ponchos. We had ponchos, I believe, while we was out there. Um, yeah, to the to, to deal with the rain while I was it was in Orlando. We had ponchos sitting out there watching. That's not say it wasn't fun. Like you're you're cold and wet and you're watching wrestling. You gotta wait till the, the rain stop. Because of course it's Florida, so it doesn't last that long. Um but just to be in that atmosphere for like twenty, twenty five minutes, it was it wasn't good. Then your seats that, is wet and then <laughs> Yeah, that is very interesting. I, I didn't even realize that um, that you had that experience your own self there. So that's yeah, I've been to WrestleMania a few times. <laughs> I had the pleasure. Now, now, see, I, I haven't, and, and you know, I'm still disappointed because last year we were supposed to have uh, WrestleMania here in Boston, and I had a lot of things going on associated with that, and it got taken away from us because of COVID. So oh, that's, I'm sorry. You know that. what I mean? I'm, I'm I'm still yeah, man. I'm still I'm still bummed about that. I thought um, it was Tampa last but, year, no? Or Tampa was supposed to be this no, year? No, yeah, Tampa was supposed to be this year. Wow. It, it was supposed to. We, we won the bid. It was supposed to be here in Boston. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't work out, unfortunately. Which you know, it is what it is. Um, See, you should have came to Jersey. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe next time. <laughs> maybe next time. You know, but my, my other issue. My my other issue, and 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 I'm gonna. This is. It's not my number one issue, but it's my number three issue. I thought BB Rexa did a horrendous job singing. And I got to be honest with you. I don't understand why the WWE didn't use Lillian Garcia. Um, I think that we really got to sit here and think about this here. Lillian Garcia should have opened WrestleMania night one with singing, whether it's the National Anthem, America the Beautiful, whatever. That would have made more of an impact. They brought in BB Rexa, and there's no disrespect to her. I know she's a pop star and all that good stuff there, but she wasn't necessary, and, I didn't, and <laughs> she did not do her best work, and 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 that's just a fact. So, you know, my bodyguard was here, and 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 she was like, "Who the hell is that singing?" And she came out. She was like, "Oh, she is not hitting the notes." And I said, "That's BB Rexa. <laughs> that's BB Rexa." So that tell you everything you need to know. Wait, wait, wait. What song? You know what what's the popular song for her? Man, I don't even know. I, I know she's a pop star and she's somebody, but it's just yeah, disappointing. See, um, and the WWE has to do better job than that because it's WrestleMania. They got to do yeah. better than that. They stand and and when you have somebody like Lillian Garcia who is always ready to go and who's proven in that environment, why wouldn't yeah. you use her? She's part of the family. Use her, man. Come on, give me a break. So, so those are my three not so positive takeaways there. But overall, I thought it was a Nice for nostalgia and 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 overall, I, I thought it was pretty cool just to feel some type of normalcy again for a change. So you yeah. know that was nice. Uh, Blue, before I let you go, I want to ask you about um, Stone Cold Steve Austin's uh, podcast. There, you know that deal he has with WWE. He had Chris Jericho, who huh. was under AEW contract. He had Chris Jericho on his show. What's your take on on that whole deal, Daddy? Do you think it was uh, a smart move on all parties to to do this kind of cross branding, um, or do you think that was a mistake for somebody? Uh, it was good on AEW's part, that's for sure. You know, I'm I'm, I'm not you know too hard on AEW, though. I do think they need some things they need to, to work on. Um, but I like to root for the underdogs. Uh, but yeah, it, it was good on AEW's part. I don't know so much on WWE side. Um, because 
it kind of, I feel like it kind of was one of those things that really left the door open for him to let him know that it's okay to come back home if he ever needs to. Because that's probably one of the biggest stars from from the Attitude Era. Was it the Attitude Era? Can we consider it the Attitude Era? I always feel like the Attitude Era was after Stone Cold beat. No, Jer- Jericho can be considered Attitude Era. He, he's Attitude Era. He's at the tail end, but he's in. He's in. Yeah, because I was, I was for me, I, like I always have to say this, I feel like the Attitude Era ended the moment that Stone Cold pinned Shawn Michaels at that WrestleMania. Like, it just changed the entire landscape for everything. Um, but anyway... Um, that's a whole other discussion for another time. Uh, so I feel like it's one of those things where he was very, you know, lucrative for the company. It's one of those things that I was able to keep him close. And he's always been, you know, if like this, you can tell from the stories that Jericho was telling, he was always one of Vince's good guys, like one of his, you know, people. So I think it's one of those, it was just one of those things where it's like, I just Chris Jericho, let him do whatever he want to do. Um, I don't think it would be the same thing extended to Cody Rhodes. <laughs> he wanted to go on a rookie squad, um, with uh, Stone Cold. Uh, so I I think it was just it didn't really hurt WWE to know it happened. It, it didn't help them either. Now, see, Blue, you know, we, we we spent all this time having a great conversation. We didn't disagree on anything, and then you got to turn around and just completely say something crazy. So, what did I say? You, 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 first of all, Chris Jericho is is a small time player. Um, he will always be a mid card guy. Even when he was champion, he was still not the top guy in the company. He was not the top draw. He was not the biggest deal. He's a bit player. He's not Ric Flair. He's not Hulk Hogan. He's not John Cena. He's not Brock Lesnar. He's not The Rock. He's Chris Jericho. Okay? Chris Jericho. So you don't think, Chris Jericho is up, you don't think he's up there with those guys a little bit? Let me tell I mean, you he something. Beat, you he beat, beat The Rock in, uh, what was it, The Rock and Stone Cold in the same night? Of course they did. He beat he beat all those guys in, in the same match, same night. Became the uni- unified champion, and no one gives a damn. Chris Jericho is a small time player, okay. And I think that I'm going to be honest with you. The only winners in this situation are Jericho, Stone Cold, and the WWE. I, I actually feel bad for Tony Khan and AEW because Jericho pulled a fast move on, them. and and I'm going to tell you how, Blue Jericho. He knew that this was his opportunity to put himself over at the expense of everybody else. If I was Tony Khan, I would never have let Jericho do that without having Stone Cold reciprocate. Okay, you want Jericho on your podcast on the WWE Network? No problem. Stone Cold has to come on Jericho's podcast, and it's going to be an AEW special, and we're going to air that on TNT so we can get the ad revenue from that. So that way we get something as a company as well by having our top guy do something with the other side. I think it was ridiculous of Tony Khan to take his top entity and allow him to go back home for that one moment there and feel good again over there. And he get nothing in return. He literally got nothing in return. I think it's embarrassing. Before I, before I respond and to I, that. And, and, and Blue, Blue, I think you, I think the tag team champions in the background think it's embarrassing too. So just for, for the record, I can hear the kids agreeing with them. <laughs> no, nah, definitely not. They're trying to get ready for dinner. <laughs> the, the funny thing is, is that when you say go back home, I automatically thought about um, when I forgot who, who LeBron was playing for. And he went back to the – it was Miami. He played, he was playing for Miami. And I think he skipped the game to go to Cleveland to go see uh, Ilgaskis get his championship ring 
and it was a big thing. It, was it a championship ring? Or, no, it wasn't a championship ring. I think he's getting retiring, retiring his number. And LeBron missed the game with Miami to go watch Ilyaskis retire his number at, at a Cleveland game. And everybody was like, that's the seed when LeBron's going to go back to the Cavs. And he ended up going back to the Cavs and bringing them that championship. So that's funny when you said that. That's automatically the first thing I thought of. Um, I can see your point. You just proved my point, Blue. You just I can proved see your my point. point. <laughs> I can see your point. But I don't think it was completely a loss on the AEW side because, again, they got their name possibly to a crowd that probably would never heard of AEW in the first place. We can't always expect that. Come on, Blue. We can't always expect everybody listen that watches wrestling. There's a lot of WWE diehards that probably don't even know that AEW existed until they saw the AEW title and and said the name. You can't, you can't, you can't say. There's not a single person who watched that and said, oh, I'm going to watch AEW now. No. You know what they did? They said, oh, look, Chris Jericho's back in the WWE, WWE superstar Chris Jericho. I think it's embarrassing for you to not admit the fact that Tony Khan basically was conned by Chris Jericho. He was No, he was I'm not disagreeing that. Chris no, I'm not, no, I'm not disagreeing that. Like I said, the moment you said that, the first thing I thought about was LeBron and how he went back and everything like that. I agree with you on that aspect, but I don't think it was a complete loss for AEW. I think they might, they might have gained a couple from that. They might gain a not little a something, something. Person a not a single person is going to turn on AEW and watch their program because Jericho was on on uh, Stone Cold's podcast. It ain't you gonna happen. Blue. It ain't you gonna happen. Zero. Blue. You can't say zero. It ain't it's a gonna happen, Blue. Zero. If Chris Jericho brings over, let's say Chris Jericho brought over like 150 people, that's still 150 people that they didn't have. Chris so Jericho can't loss. even bring over one person. It ain't gonna happen, Blue. It's not gonna. I don't happen. know. I think it's possible. I think All it's right. possible. <laughs> All right. You know what, Blue? It, it, despite the fact that you had to mess around and say something crazy to me, I, I still <laughs> respect you. Why don't you let everybody know what's the best way they can check out your podcast? Make sure you follow us at the Mixed Tag Show on Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, um, on all podcast platforms, on YouTube. If you want to follow me personally, I'm at Blue Magic Grind, spell how it sound, on Instagram and on Twitter and on Twitch. Uh, I have I do some gaming now on Twitch. Uh, I'm going to be doing some indie wrestlers interviews as well on my Twitch. So look out for that. Uh, I got a clothing, a clothing company called For Your Wear. You can check that out, F-O-R-U-R-W-E-A-R. Shout out to my tag team host, Jenna Baby, Miss Jenna Baby, B-A-Y-B-E-E. President of the Sasha crew, appointed by Sasha Banks. So make sure you follow her as well. And that's all my avenues right there. You know, Blue, before I let you go, man, I'm, I'm a big fan of your co-host. I think she is very insightful. She knows her wrestling. Um, yep. But the other day, in fact, it was yesterday, you were doing a, a Twitch stream. And the poor young lady, she lost her voice. At WrestleMania. she was very hoarse. So I want to know right now, Blue, why didn't you do what you were supposed to do and give her some <laughs> zoop jumon, okay? Why didn't you give her some of the soup? Some of the Haitian soup, okay? It, 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 she could have had a, a, a sac passe voice. She would have been all set, okay? Where was the zoop jumon? I don't understand what the hell's going on here, Blue. There was no soup jumon because social distancing. She lives in New York. I'm in Jersey. And I didn't even know she lost her voice until like, I called her that day. And I'm like, all right, you ready for tonight? We're running down. What are we going to talk about? I'm like, wait, what happened to your voice? So like, oh, I didn't tell you. I lost my voice. I'm like, what you mean? Like, So this is like an hour before we have to record. So I'm like, yo, go get some tea. 
put some steam on your face. I'm giving her all the remedies I know from doing radio. And I'm like, yeah, go do that, please. <laughs> you told her to do everything, but you wouldn't give her some Haitian soup. I don't know. It was too late. I don't know. It was too late. <laughs> Mr. Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.